When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Football Social Daily, Premier League podcast. It's half term in the season and the grades are in. It's parents evening in the Premier League. Who's exceeding expectations? Who is top of the class? And who must do better? This is the award-winning podcast, Football Social Daily. And on today's show, we're going to sort out the teacher's pets from the class clowns. My name's Niall, and alongside me, Marley Anderson and Joel Tudor. How you doing, boys? Yeah, not bad. Doing all right. Lovely little international break to uh, take away from some of the, yeah. the excitement of the Premier League. Were you guys any good at school? No, I was all right. What, co- what comments did you guys get? My comments were always, he talks too much to his best friend next to him. That was always my comment. Mine was, he's got good ideas, but struggles to get them down on paper. <laughs> I used to get uh, easy. <laughs> it's still... He's a easy. I mean, this is a fucking... This is too easy, Marley. This is as see-through as it gets. I mean, this is to this day, I mean, it still applies. He's easily distracted. I used to get that a lot. Hey, yeah, did they have so. the cane still when you were at school? <laughs> oh, hey, Jesus. <laughs> I'm all of, all of three years older than you. <laughs> yeah, you needed the cane, Christ. We didn't, have any, we didn't even have a uniform in my school, mate. What do you mean? We were one of three secondary schools in the country that didn't have a uniform. So until what, like the Americans? They don't wear Yeah, uniform. yeah, until year 10 we didn't have a uniform, yeah. And then they brought one in. So your poor parents, for a year's schooling, had to fork out a load of money for a uniform. Yep, blazer, pants. <laughs> talking like over 100 quid to get you in a uniform, yeah, that I wore for a year and they left. I can see why they changed it. <laughs> if everyone's ended up like you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I'm, I'm hoping there's no one listening to, with who went to my uh, secondary school because most of them are in prison. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, they weren't you were the lucky one who got out. <laughs> my school got demolished, flattened. Shut down. Oh, it wasn't good enough. Yeah, so it's same. not there anymore. Same. Not there. Well, mine's still standing, guys. So. All right, Elton John. <laughs> All right, middle class. <laughs> right, we're not here to talk about our schooling. We're here to talk about the Premier League. And on today's show, we're going to look at the top eight Premier League teams as it stands at the moment. And we must admit, we are recording this before the final match day 
heading into the November international break. So the table is subject to change, particularly from eighth downwards, looking towards the bottom of the standings. So we're going to take the top eight and rate each of their seasons so far. We're going to give a few thoughts from each of us as to what they're doing well and what they're not doing so well. And we're going to come up with a school grade at the end. So who'll be getting an A plus and who'll be getting an F? Let's start at the very top of the class then with Manchester City, who are top of the table. They did lose two games in a row earlier on this season. A bit of a wobble, Joel, but they've managed to recover. They're not really doing anything that we didn't expect. So what are some of your thoughts on Manchester City's season so far? It's actually a little bit out of the ordinary because usually they start very, very slow and around Christmas time people start ruling them out and then by March time they win every single game possible and then by... April time, they're in a quadruple talk, and then by May, they win everything. That's typically how the City season goes. But in all honesty, when you look at their record at the moment, I mean, the top scorers in the Premier League, the least goals conceded in the Premier League, the play with the most assists, the play with the most goals, it's pretty much a flawless start, you would say. I know they had that little blip, those two games that they actually lost. One of them was to Arsenal as well, so... Which, I mean, is excusable. And they didn't have the likes of Kevin De Bruyne playing. They had no Rodri. So I feel like there's a little bit of a caveat to that game. That's not to discount Arsenal's win because it was a great win for them. But again, pretty flawless by City. It's kind of scary just to think what they will then go on to do when the likes of Kevin De Bruyne comes back, when Haaland starts going into another gear... Because typically after Christmas, they go from gear one to gear five very, very quickly. And they always have to like respond to other teams who have gone ahead of them. So if they can maintain this past Christmas, I hope, well, I don't hope, I wonder if they're going to have the same level of motivation past that point. Well, if I'm going to give a grade like we're aiming to do at the end of each of these teams, Marley, to Manchester City, I would give a B. And the reason I would give a B is because... Joel's right. Normally they start pretty slowly. So actually, I guess you could say they're exceeding expectations at this point of the season. But also they did win a treble last year and they have lost a couple of games in the middle. So I think there's more to come, but also they're about where they expect them to be. So my grade would be a B. A B for the team, top of the league. <laughs> it's mental, isn't it? I mean, well, that we like... high standards though, don't we? Yeah. We can't just go in and give so, them an A straight away, so can we? Come on. Does that mean in previous years... When they're like eighth at Christmas or whatever, does that mean they would have got like a D? Yeah, hundred percent. And they win this. They win the league every year from a position where they get a D after like ten or eleven, fifteen games or whatever it is. Well, we're judging them That's after crazy. the first eleven games. They are top of yeah. the table, but I've, I'd give them an A because we we used to seeing them a little bit worse um, than they are. They usually start. I mean, I think the last two seasons in a row they've started. Um, the season trying to implement a new style and a new formation. I think last year was the first we've seen them start with this sort of um, three-two-four-one type of formation. It's a weird one, where where they had like a stones just floating around in midfield, looking like a prime bloody Beckenbauer or whatever it was. Um, but this season they've they've backed it up with wins. There hasn't been much of a, a learning process. They lost two games in a row, yes, but that was when Rodri was uh, was sent off for uh, slapping someone around the back of the head. That was no coincidence for me. So I think when they get De Bruyne back, it's over for everyone, to be honest. As long as as long as long he heals all right, and it's quite a serious injury for a, a guy who's uh, the grand old age of 32. He's uh, one day younger than me. 
is is Kevin De Bruyne. Can he resemble? You his... see, he was at the yeah. UFC the other day. He was, yeah. He was. Well, that was the same time Man City were playing as well. He sacked that off to go and watch the UFC. Yeah, in, uh, in, he knew what was going to happen, didn't he? In <laughs> Saudi, was it in Saudi? Was it Saudi? Oh, I, don't I think know. It, it was Saudi or Dubai. One of the one of the two. Probably had a nice little luxury. Couple of days. Bit of R and R to get himself back on the road to recovery, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, so let's grade Manchester City's season so far. Top of the table, twenty-seven points heading into the final match weekend before the international break. I said B. Probably like A minus, just because okay. those two losses were a bit needless in my opinion. Okay, so I say B, you say A minus, so that puts us on B plus. I, w- I was literally going to say B plus. Okay, so, B plus yeah. then. That's easy. Manchester City a B, a B plus. plus. I mean, I've, I've I said A, but I'd have I'd succumb to B plus. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They have big caveats. Manchester City will leave. They're both grids I didn't get in school anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right, moving on to Tottenham then. Big Ange, what a start to life he's had. Just the one defeat, and that came in that wild game. At Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against Chelsea, Monday night football, what a game it was. Red card decisions, disallowed goals, a majorly high line. But as far as Tottenham are concerned, I think we should be giving these the highest grade in the Premier League. I'm going at least an A for Tottenham, in my opinion, because no one expected Big Ange to come in and have them unbeaten after 10 games. And the way they lost to Chelsea was unfortunate with the red card, two of them and the decisions in that game. So Tottenham, second in the table, 26 points, one defeat, eight wins and a draw after 11 games. A for me, Marley. Yeah, big A for big A. Um, <laughs> in my opinion, big Ange. From big A. Oh yeah, I forgot he's Australian. Can't say any more than that. You didn't expect Spurs to be second um, at the you know 12 game mark or at least in touch with the, with the leaders, um, especially with all the the problems he walked into at Spurs, you know, dressing rooms low after um, after the summer they've had and then losing Harry Kane. Where's the goals going to come from? Signing Madison, is he going to step up to the um, to the expectation? Can he switch to a back four from a back three that they've been playing for the last two or three years? Uh, and the answer to everything is a, a, a big yes. And he's handled the expectations and the media brilliantly. I think he's won... He's won round neutrals as well as mm. um, non-neutrals. You know, nobody... I don't know anyone that doesn't like Ange that isn't an Arsenal or a Chelsea fan. He's been great. Um, and they're completely unlucky to lose to Chelsea, um, where, you know, literally everything everything went wrong um, for them. You know, injuries, two red cards. Um, you know, you can criticise them playing a high line if you want, but it's all irrelevant, in my opinion, because I thought they'd have, they'd have lost if they'd played deep, they'd have lost if they'd played high. It wouldn't have mattered. They had nine men, for God's sake, so and you play in a £1 billion squad, you absolutely should lose that game, so it doesn't really put too much of a black mark yeah, on what he's done so far. I don't think it undoes any of the stuff that he had done before in getting Tottenham to that level. No, not at all, no. So, yeah, spot on for me, no less than an A. Yeah, A for both of us. Go on, Joel, complete the set. Yeah, it's a hat-trick of A's. I mean, I can't remember what we all did as our predictions at the start of the season, but I'm pretty sure nobody... Well, I know you had Luton to get Champions League, but <laughs> apart from that... Steady on. I think... Sp- no one had Spurs anywhere near the top seven, I don't believe. And when when Harry Kane, oh, now he's got his hands up here. I think that I don't know if that counteracts some of the uh, <laughs> some of the predictions you did lower you, down. Right, you carry on, Joel Marley. I'm almost certain you've got the predictions locked away somewhere. That's what I was thinking. I'll I'll keep looking for them. Have a search while I finish you carry point, on. It's the case that losing Harry Kane. I think we all discussed it. I literally I remember saying on the podcast. Big Ange has literally a free crack at the whip this season. Doesn't matter what he does, 
he has a free go because they've lost their best player ever. And I thought, no matter what happens, no expectation. But when we were discussing the likes of James Madison and thinking, who's he going to supply? He's got a great assist record. Who is he actually going to supply? Little did we know that Son would take on captaincy, take on the reins, pretty much just filled in what Harry Kane has literally left the club. And all of a sudden, you've just got a galvanised entity, which is everything's working in harmony. The fans are on side. Everyone's forgotten about the crap that Mourinho and Conte left them. And suddenly... Second in the table. I do think now that they're going through adversity with the likes of Madison injured, Van der Ven, another one. Great signing, by the way. Let's see how they do in the next few weeks. But up until now, pretty flawless, you would say. So A plus for me. Okay, A plus for Joel. A for me, A for Marley. I think that levels out at an A. So well done to Big A, Big Ange, Postacoglu for getting Tottenham into a position that no one really expected at the start of the season. So let's reflect on those predictions. Joel, you had Spurs... Sixth. Sixth, Marley seventh. Seventh, yeah. Mine was fifth. I think. I think I'm. I think I'm gonna have to just right, take I've, a little humble. Ange fangirl over I'm, it. I've been impressed with Ange Postecoglou. I think Tottenham have been very impressive. So One, that means we're all predicting them to uh, to absolutely fall crumble. Apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why we're all it taking the like way things are going now. It yeah. would be more akin to what Tottenham has been like over the last few years. Right. Before we go to a quick break, let's. Finish off the rest of the top four. My third place prediction was Liverpool. And that's exactly where Liverpool are currently in the Premier League table, heading into the final game week before the international break. 24 points. They've still got quality players. They've still got a quality manager. But last season was really poor. So the expectations, naturally, they drop off a little bit when you've had a poor season the season before. I've said the whole time that I think Liverpool will be dangerous this year. Have they been dangerous enough to cause a bit of worry to the likes of Manchester City and Arsenal? I don't know with Liverpool. It's like that. I feel like they're nearly there, like they're nearly really, really good. Um, but you seen it in like the Luton game, for example. It was just proof that they're not quite there yet. I don't think. Um, I think they've still got a, a little bit to iron out. I think obviously Robertson uh, missing for a long period is is pretty big for them because they haven't got a left back, a proper one, and the way they play, the fullbacks are really important. Um, Nunes can score worldy goals and then miss sitters, which needs sorting out because I don't, I still can't decide whether he's, you know, sublime or ridiculous um, in a bad way. <laughs> um, he's just chaos at the minute. It's, he can do anything, um, which is neither good nor bad at, at, at times. So. I don't know with Liverpool. I think they're definitely good enough to put up a challenge. But I feel like by the time they get good enough, City are going to be too far gone. It's like they'll still be in second gear at the lights and City will be halfway down the street type of thing. So, Well, they've only lost once, Liverpool, but they are three points off Manchester City. And that loss was the Spurs one, which was very suspicious. Well, with, with the offside, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel they're nearly there, like I say, but I just at the minute... They need to click pretty quick because, as we know, City can just yeah can just run away with it at any point, really. At the time of recording, Liverpool and Arsenal have the exact same record. Apart from the fact that Liverpool have scored a goal more, there is nothing between the two teams in the table. I'm going to give Liverpool a B for a similar reason to what I gave Manchester City a B for, which was they're there or thereabouts without yet clicking, as Marley says. I still think there's more to come. I feel like they're where they should be, to be honest, because when you look in the summer, they pretty much improved on what they had before. Obviously, they got rid of Fabinho for a good 40 million. He was on his last legs, I would say. They got rid of Jordan Henderson, who went to do his 
charity mission in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> and, you know, they replaced him with Dominic Sabozlai, who is very, very highly rated, and he's really taken like a duck to water in that Liverpool side. McAllister, again, another proven player that they signed pretty early in the window. Graven Birch, I think the jury's still out on him. But I think overall, we all said that the midfield was an issue for Liverpool and they've, they've upgraded the midfield. So that issue and that area has been addressed. That's why we all said, as soon as they address that next season, I feel like they will push on. You also have the biggest and the huge asterisk, which is the fact that they've got Jurgen Klopp. He's worth his weight in gold in terms of what he brings to Liverpool. The same way in which Pep, what he brings to City. If you took both of them out of their clubs, they would collapse. They're almost like the way in which Alex Ferguson propped up United. It almost feels like they have their hands entrenched mm. in both clubs now. And that's why I say Jurgen Klopp, for me, if he just improves the squad by a tiny amount, he will be the next bit to take them to the next level anyway. He's an absolute genius when it comes to regenerating squads. So for me, I feel like they are at where they should be at, to be honest. Grades, I'm going with B. Solid B as well, I would say. Yep, okay, agree, yeah. that's oh, a B for B Liverpool then. B, yeah. Yeah, so a B for Liverpool, which means that we now have to tackle Arsenal, who, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, have pretty much the exact same record at the time of recording this, with the same amount of wins, draws and losses. The only difference is they've scored one goal fewer than Liverpool have. That means that they're fourth, just a place below Liverpool, but still in the top four. Arsenal was supposed to be title challengers this season, Joel. They're still pretty close to being that at the moment. However, there have been a few games in which maybe they haven't quite been at their brilliant best. Chelsea, when they were 2-0 down, they rallied to come back to 2-2. But really, they should never have been 2-0 down against the mid-table Chelsea side as they are at the moment. And then, of course, there was the defeat to Newcastle in which Mikel Arteta completely lost his head after the game, which we spoke about on the podcast the following day. So how do you assess Arsenal's beginning to the season? It's been... Iffy. I feel like they've not built on from last season to the extent of how good they were last season. And what I mean by that is at the end of the last, well, okay, discounting the last five games of last season where they just capitulated. But all the way through last season, they were just relentless, quite ruthless in games. And I feel like so far this season, I've not yet seen that side to them. I know they beat Manchester City, but I feel like the fact that they didn't have De Bruyne and Rodri really influenced that game so much. And the fact that they played Chelsea and Chelsea dominated them for large periods and they, I feel like they undeservedly got a draw out of that. These are the games where, OK, although they managed to churn out a result, I feel like the Arsenal of last season would have demolished them. Because when you look at Chelsea at face value at the moment, I feel like they're a vulnerable team. And Arsenal so far, I feel like they're still waiting to kick into gear compared to last season because that's the best benchmarker. And then another factor you have to account into is the goalkeeper situation, which for me has actually made them a little bit vulnerable. Yeah, Yeah. a little bit vulnerable at the back, which has been absolutely needless because last season, although Ramsdale did have his moments, he was still one of the main factors in the reason why they had such a good run in terms of his presence at the back. And then we watched, for example, the game against Newcastle where Raya got absolutely chipped in no man's land for that goal, which got checked about three or four times. I don't believe Ramsdale would be in that situation to have to almost backtrack and flip over a cross. So for me, that's been the only kind of hindrance which has made me look at Arsenal in a little bit of a different light so far this season. My grade is B-. minus For many of the reasons that you've just said, Joel, I think B- minus rather than B, because Liverpool get a B, and even though their records are identical near enough at the moment, is because Arsenal were the closest challengers to Manchester City last season. I'm still waiting to see that Arsenal where 
they are just taking teams apart week on week on week on week. I'm not sure we've quite got Arsenal in that rhythm that we saw them in last season. So I'm going for a B minus. Your assessment, Marley? I think that's about right. I think Arteta has created a problem that he didn't need to create by this with this goalkeeper thing. With this bizarre comment of, I wish it was normal to sub-goalkeepers or whatever he said. Some um, That's just straight up. And it's talking yeah, absolute bush, wasn't gibberish. Yeah, just pick a goalie. It's not hard. There's two of them. Just pick one. Um, he seems to have settled on Raya. Give it the whole spiel about oh, you know, Ramsdale still this and that, and as if they were both gonna play. Ramsdale hasn't played a game. Yeah, hasn't Carabao been seen Cup. since, has he? No. Yeah, and then all the Sky Sports cameras just go to Ramsdale every time Raya touches the ball. That's getting sickening straight away because I don't care what Ramsdale's doing on the bench <laughs> because he's on the bench, and I think Raya's not. At, I think you can get a, a cigarette paper between them in terms of the ability. They're this and that. Like, Raya is not as comfortable coming for crosses. He's probably slightly better with his feet. He might be slightly less erratic at times, but I still think Raya's got more... Is erraticism a, work, a word? <laughs> like, he's got... Because Raya lets players get so close to him that at some point this season, a ball is going to be charged down from Raya trying to play out from the back. And I think that will cause problems... But he's Spanish and he's Mikel's boy, so he's going to stay in goal all season, I think. Um, which is harsh on Ramsdale because I think he was one of the best players last season. You know, that for that reason, I think, and as well, Havertz is signing, I just think. <laughs> I, I, don't see, I, I don't see what he does. And he's sort of been sent off the, the other week, which I won't let go. But yeah, it, it is what it is. All right, so B-, minus. I think we can all agree with yeah. Arsenal. I was going to go for a C+. Plus. I still feel like the way off the races. Well, I think we're both on B-, minus. so... I give him, give it wouldn't, him B- it wouldn't be unlike Joel to uh, slightly dig at Mikel. <laughs> nothing against <laughs> Arsenal. Just drag it back to a C+. Plus. Uh, so that's Manchester yeah, City. It gets the... dragged down for Arteta just being a whiny little... Deservedly. <laughs> So that's Manchester City B+, Tottenham with an A, Liverpool with a B and Arsenal with a B-. Next up, we're going to be tackling the likes of Aston Villa and Newcastle, Brighton and Manchester United after this on Football Social Daily. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We're doing our parents' evening for the Premier League and we're looking at the top eight on today's show. Tomorrow on the podcast, you'll be able to hear our assessment of the rest of the Premier League, the likes of Chelsea and West Ham and, of course, Sheffield United propping up the league at the moment. But for now, let's get through the rest of the teams that we didn't get through. We've already looked at the current top four at the time of recording. So now it's the turn of Aston Villa, Newcastle, Brighton and Manchester United to fear the wrath of the three teachers inside the studio today, myself, Marley and Joel. And let's focus on Aston Villa, who some people predicted to finish in the Champions League places. And we all scoffed and said that will never happen. But here they are in fifth position, two points off the top four, have been formidable at home and under Unai Emery have been exceptional this season, haven't they? To be honest, when you look at their transfers in the summer, it's not like they've spent a crazy amount. I mean, they spent 70 million in the summer on the likes of Diaby, Pau Torres, Zaniolo, Tilly and Longley. 
And when you look at them, sure, they'll be able to attract them because they'll be able to pay them a decent salary in terms of compared to other clubs in Europe. But Unai Emery, for me, deserves so much plaudits for the way he's propped Aston Villa up this season because prior to him coming in, they were just a bit of a lost club. I feel like they were in a bit of no man's land. They wanted to be that next big club, but they just couldn't find the manager yeah, to the Gerard them. thing never worked yeah, out. Yeah, they were just waiting for that one manager to take them to the next level. And the recruitment has been absolutely spot on in terms of Musa Diaby. He was so highly rated at Leverkusen. The fact that Villa has managed to get him and he's managed to become an amazing part of their forward line. Ollie Watkins, another one who's become a different level striker this season. Everything's starting to click into place and that's purely because of Unai Emery. And I'm so happy that he's he's having some kind of success so far because I hated when he was at Arsenal and people, especially journalists, took the mick out of the fact he was speaking in his second language, which is absolutely disgusting yeah, it in was itself. Really bad, it, such actually, a bad when you think back, the it's, way that he was treated at Arsenal, not so much in terms of the questions over whether he was good enough to manage Arsenal and did a good enough job, but a lot of the jibes. It was disgusting and that's why I feel like there's always a time and top managers will always prove their weight at some point in time. Maybe Arsenal was a little bit of a step too far, almost in the way in which David Moyes went to United. It was a little yeah. bit of a, I mean, a step was, too it much. Was, it was funny to start with because he said good evening and it was you know the difference in accent and you can understand why people might think, oh, that's a bit curious. It just went on for so long. It turned into bullying, yeah, honestly. It, it turned into bullying. It was disgusting. And that's why I'm so happy that he's found a club where they understood, the owners understood that he's a top-level manager. He proved yeah. it for so many years at Sevilla. And now he's really proven his worth. And who knows what they could do this season. I don't think they'll get a top four. But I mean, the way in, if you've got a striker like Ollie Watkins who's going to score every yeah. game for you, you've got every chance. Back in the England squad, of course, Ollie Watkins chosen by Gareth Southgate for the latest Three Lions camp. I'm giving them an A. I imagine you are as well, Joel, based off of what you've just said. A plus, honestly. Marley? B plus. Ooh. Hard teacher. Yeah. Lost, really? lost three games. That's, that's so is it. Newcastle. That's the only reason why. Yeah. But I'm not giving Newcastle any higher than that either. So, uh, And also at the start of the season, they, they got killed by Newcastle 5-1. Yeah, the big teams, in inverted commas, that they've played in terms of the sides that are expected to finish above them at the start of the season... Liverpool and Newcastle both absolutely wiped the floor with them. Mm. And then obviously they lost a couple of weeks ago, didn't they, to Nottingham Forest. So yeah. there have been a few ups and downs for Villa. But in terms of where they are, I think they do deserve an A. I think with with the money they've spent, I think an A would constitute third or fourth. Fifth, you kind of expect them to to be around there with what they've done and building on the su- success of last season. I think they'll go on to do well this season. I think they'll finish top six. But definitely um, if not, not top, top seven. Definitely not top four, though. I no, no, yeah. definitely not. Um, but I do expect them fully to win the Conference League as well. Well, Aston Villa then do get an A because based off of Joel's A plus and your B plus, that puts us pretty much at an A or an A minus. So let's give them an A. And Aston Villa fans must be loving it at the moment. And moving down one place to sixth, it's Newcastle United. So we'll come to you first, Joel, whilst Marley figures out the best way to construct a plot to give his team an A plus for uh, absolutely no reason whatsoever. Um, we said, how will Newcastle cope with being in the Champions League, big game at the weekend in the Premier League and then competing midweek in Europe? They've got the group of death in the Champions League, so it's not been easy for them. They're currently bottom of the group. But in terms of them being able to keep up, we've seen teams get into Europe for the first time in ages or the first time ever and then completely flatline in the league. 
How do you assess their start? I feel like they've just been having to put out a lot of fires this season because when you look at who they bought, Sandra Tonali was almost like the talisman that they were going to base their midfield around and now he's been out for now 10, well, he's going to be out for 10 months. That's almost back to square one in a sense and then you've yeah. got all these injuries that have happened in the meantime. You know, Harvey Barnes, a new, a new signing, he's out and then you've got, you know, so many different little injuries here and there. Callum Wilson's now out. So, Eddie Howe's having to pretty much manage his squad. Like I predicted, I knew this sort of thing was going to happen because if you don't have a proper squad of depth, you get found out so quickly when you're in Europe. But because of what the club is at the moment, because it's backed by such a huge financial entity, I have big expectations in Newcastle now to the point where they have to be performing. I feel like there's going to be a lot of pressure on Howe, not now, but once all his players are back, there's expectation there because the owners are going to expect a return. And I don't mean a, f- a financial sense, but a return in terms of football success because they're going to be putting a lot of money into this club now. Not, And I don't mean just transfers. I mean in terms of you know, potential new training ground and potential new development around the stadium, potential new developments in the stadium. People who are now joining from other clubs like Dean Ashworth, you know, it's, a lot of money's going into the club now. But I have sympathy for them in, in this circumstance right now because their injury record is... Horrific, probably on par with United, Manchester United in terms of how bad it is at the moment. So considering they are sixth and there or thereabouts in the Champions League group, I would say it's just steady, steady Eddie. <laughs> Marley, stage is yours, my friend. Uh, I'd, I'd go for a bit. This is like, there's always that one kid at school whose dad's a teacher. And this is it. You get a chance to grade your own kid. And you've given him a B. All right, okay. Not an A. <laughs> Even my dad wouldn't have given me an A at school, I don't think. Um, no, nah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably, I'd say B. Um, obviously, you can't, you can't say A because we'd be higher in the league. You can't really say C because you take into account the um, the results we've had in the league and the um, the injuries we're dealing with and the Champions League. I, you know, there was a little bit of a, a meltdown from, maybe not meltdown, but a, a bit of undue pressure from um, everyone who wasn't a Newcastle fan earlier in the season when we beat Aston Villa 5-1 on the first day and then we lost to Man City, Liverpool and Brighton in a row and everyone was like, oh, this is the end of Newcastle, oh, welcome to your second season syndrome and it's like, well, no, because we've played three quality sides, played Man City away, uh, yeah, Man City away, we played New- Liverpool at home and then we played Brighton away and we lost all three. Any team in the Premier League could lose to any of them three teams, Like they're all quality teams. And then we bounce back with, you know, what um, an 8-0 win over Sheffield United, um, beat Burnley, beat Man City in the Cup, beat Brentford, hammered PSG, um, and then, you know, beat Palace 4-0 in the league as well. So there's, um, we soon got back to that level and then the injuries hit and then it's like, okay, you can, co- it's at the minute we can compete once once a week. And that is um, just through injuries and stuff that we, we've we just not quite been able to get there so far in terms of um, competing twice a week. Um, but the, the injuries we're having at the minute are just, they're a bit of a nightmare because, I mean, Barnes going down completely off the ball and needing surgery on his foot three games into his career at Newcastle was, was unprecedented. Tenali's ban was missed. Should have been seen probably at some point, but that's huge. Um, Jacob Murphy 
dislocates his shoulder, then it's fine. Then in the next game, he comes on and dislocates his shoulder within 30 seconds again. <laughs> and I was like, right, he this is... Some... his hand hold. I've seen <laughs> yeah, him yeah. running like Mate, running his hand. Are they I... sure they actually put it back in? It was mental. They popped it back in and then he obviously... So... Yeah, but did they? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> did they put not. it in the wrong socket? I don't know. It's, it's... <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. So he Been came on. Times. He dislocated his... <laughs> He's he's uh, his shoulder twice. Dan Byrne goes down injured. He needs time off, and Target does his hamstring. He's just having um, surgery on that, uh, and it's one thing after another. But hang on, it's all. I'm just looking for the violin. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> You're cracking on. It's all just and on and on and on. But I guess that's all just a learning of, curve in it. It, it you know. kind of sums up the fact that you've gone on and on and on about all different players that are injured. Exactly the position. And I haven't even named half of them. I don't think. Yeah, so, um, but I think that. A good season for Newcastle this season would be to finish in the European spots again. To qualify for Europe consistently, whether that's Champions League or now Europa Conference, I think would be a sign of a good season for Newcastle. And they're currently in that position. So you've yeah. gone B. I think B's probably fair as well, Joel. We all agreeing on yeah, a B? B? Right, seventh place, Brighton and Hove Albion. A team that have become one of those sides that, I dare say the word established, probably not quite the right description for Brighton right now but certainly a team that people are expecting to finish in the top 10 and only two seasons ago was their first ever top 10 finish in the top flight in English football history so I guess Joel we're talking about a side who have come a long long way so even for them to be seventh and above sides like Manchester United and Chelsea as much as it's not as good as they were doing last season at times still deserves immense credit does it not? 100%. I feel like they've gone a little bit under the radar this season because Aston Villa are kind of the new flashy flavour of the month, whereas Brighton were that for all of last season when De Zerbi came in and just made everyone watch their team in awe as they were playing. But when you look at the summer and the fact that they had to lose their two biggest players in Casado and McAllister, and the fact that even though they've lost them, they're still maintaining such a high level and they're still maintaining such a good league position. For me, I think that deserves so much credit because the majority of other clubs, you remember when Leicester, after they'd won the league and then they lost the likes of Riyad Mahrez and then they lost the likes of Kante and then it started to get a little bit shaky, but then they got the right manager in place to then galvanise everything again. This is how it feels. I feel like Brighton have taken the, the mould of Leicester. Obviously, they've not won anything yet, but they got the FA Cup semi-final last year <laughs> and everything's just kind of looking a bit more rosier. So This is how it feels. This, this is how it feels to be. Clint Boone, he's in the studio next to us, actually, from the Inspiral Carpets. Hopefully it's quite funny the way he's right in. behind you. I don't think you even realise what you've done there. <laughs> little reference, if anyone who knows, knows. But yeah, I feel like they deserve so many. It's so many plaudits. Brighton just the way in which that club is run is absolutely phenomenal they managed to lose the best replace it with players who will become the best a year later and deserve worth his weight in gold at that club okay Brighton and Hove Albion in sixth position I think if we're giving Aston Villa an A because we're not expecting them to be there we can't give Brighton an A because they finished sixth last season and they're currently seventh and like I said Marley they kind of carved out that niche for themselves and that position that they are expected to be a top 10 club based on their performances through various managers and player changes in the last two seasons. So I'm going to go with B+. Plus. What do you think? Yeah, I'd go with I'd go with that. Um, B, B+. Plus. I think the challenge for Brighton now is um, is managing expectations. You know, they're not plucky Brighton who will give you a game now. They're Brighton that will pass you off the park if you don't give them the uh, the respect they deserve and come up with a plan. To, to sort of stifle that 
Um, I like I like what they're doing. I think they're going the right direction. Um, every year they have they have players nicked, and it becomes about who's playing well for Brighton. Um, and who? Could, yeah. Where's Caicedo going? Where's Bissouma going? Where's... When we say players nicked, if you're listening in America, we mean players stolen, not players taken <laughs> to the police station. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Players signed by you know so-called bigger clubs. Um, so yeah, it's it's a different type of challenge now for Brighton, and they're gonna get they're gonna have to get used to it and get used to to challenging and trying to break that um, that little uh, challenge of regularly competing in Europe and you know they're in the Europa League this year yeah it's a tough group um Ajax obviously massive club but struggling in in Holland they've got them AEK Athens as well um not an easy place to go and get a result so that I think they're similar to Newcastle they're sort of learning on the job um and seeing where it takes them but they're not doing badly at all and they'll still beat more teams than them than they'll get troubled by this season because they're too good a side not to Okay, so the half-term grade for Brighton is a B plus, which moves us on to eighth position. The best or last? Manchester United. What's the lowest grade you can give? Is it a U? A U. U. Ungraded. U for ungraded. That's going to go A+. Plus They've Mike. not even written their name on the exam paper at the moment. <laughs> no, they submit. didn't turn up to the exam. They've not even turned up yet. Actually, I'm not going to be that harsh, but I'm going to give them a D. Because they finished in the top four last season, won a trophy, got to another final, and it has been really poor. I think this has been the worst start to a season for any Manchester United manager. What is it at the time of recording this? Nine defeats from 17 games mm. to start the season in all competitions really not good but there have been permeating factors some of them have been self-inflicted some of them you can understand will have an impact it's been a few questionable referee decisions VAR decisions there's also been a number of injuries to key players like Shaw, Martinez, Casemiro, Varane they're all players who haven't been available the Jaden Sancho, Mason Greenwood scenario it just feels like it's been one thing after another I'm giving them a D because that is not good enough to pass a C would be considered a pass and I think that that's fair because there have been, as I say, factors all over the place for Manchester United as to why they are where they are. That's the way I see it. I'm not even sure where I begin with this report, to be honest. I'm a little bit more lenient over the fact that the injury issues we've had, our four best players have been injured for the best part of the start of the season. I think if you take out any of the four top players in any side in the league, you will struggle. However, I've been so unimpressed with Ten Hag so far this season on a different kind of worry compared to last season because at the time where we beat Newcastle in the Carabao Cup final we were actually playing incredible football suddenly Rashford's goals have dried up Casemiro's influence on the game's completely dried up uh, you've got Luke Shaw missing now we've got Diego Dallo who is completely exposed and then even the transfers I mean you've got Mason Mount they pay 60 million for him and he can't get a game and he had a year left on his deal by the way is he another Donny, <laughs> is he another Donny van der Beek kind of bored signing to me it just feels quite Where's strange he? Well, is he still there? Yeah, apparently so. What the hell? <laughs> and we got to get rid of him. This is what I mean. That's why if there wasn't as much of an injury crisis at the club, I would have said probably like a you literally because it is just disgraceful what's going on. You look at the Champions League campaign. We're about to go out of Europe if we don't get a result against Galatasaray in a couple of weeks' time. But with perspective, we are eighth with 18 points, six points off fourth. It could be a lot worse than it actually is. And that's the only reason why I'd probably say something like a C, because if we were in Ooh. 14th... So good enough to pass then. 
I, I mean, thought, I thought it was a pretty scathing rundown feel like of the season so far, and then he's come up with a C, Marley. Where's he got I, that I, from? I feel, I feel like you need a reset. He's pulled that out of his backside. We'll, ta- we'll take a reset to try and improve our grade. <laughs> okay, if you go C, I'm definitely going D. So it's over to you, Marley. You've got the defining say on Manchester United's half-term grade. I was torn between E and F. <laughs> Honestly, I was. It's like Rose on an aeroplane, C, D, uh, E and F. Which one's nearest the wing? So which one can I jump out <laughs> the, the window faster? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that would go down that slide into the Atlantic and have a better time than watching Man United. Bloody awful. It's awful. Just everything about the, the club at the minute is just all over the place. Think, forgetting the ownership and stuff that isn't going to get sorted out anytime soon. I think the problems and the solutions to the problems that Ten Hag has come come up with this season haven't been good enough. As Joel said, they were playing quality last season. They've got many of the same players, plus players that Ten Hag wanted on top of that into this season. He wanted Amrabat, he wanted Mount, he wanted Hoyland, he wanted Onana, he got them all. And not one of them has been any good, except Hoyland in the Champions League. He can't score a league goal to save his life, but he's top, top scorer in the Champions League, which is bizarre because they're nearly out of the Champions League. Um, you know, so in theory, you should be better than what you're proving on the pitch. Um, I think he's created the Sancho situation himself by just freezing him out. I, th- I know he's problematic, but managers have problems with players all the time can you not overlook these problems and and solve them for the greater good of all involved for the players point of view from your point of view from the team's point of view from a financial point of view if you're going to sell him on or loan him out you know that situation could have been handled better off the pitch there was the whole debacle with Mason Greenwood um which I thought was handled you know it's like pouring diesel on a on a flipping fire which was uh, bizarre but yeah, um, on the pitch, six wins, five defeats. You could make a very good case of them losing all six of the games they've won this season. They've got away with a couple of decisions, like the Wolves won on the opening day of the season. Um, 2-0 down to Forest at home, 1-3-2. Fine, great result, but you should never be 2-0 down at Forest at, at Old Trafford. Um, out of the League Cup, you know, almost out of Europe. It's It's a mess, really, I think. 12 goals scored in 11 games for Man United. And a minus four goal difference is staggering, and with you know that the the things been going round of this last couple of weeks of Mourinho lost six of eighteen and was sacked, and he's lost nine of seventeen, and he's he's still clinging on to a job, which suggests who's there to sack him, who's making these decisions, and do they care about him enough to sack him and go round and start that same merry-go-round again of get a new manager, things improve, things crash. We pay out the the new manager. Um, this is legitimately like a parents' evening, where one teacher is maybe a little bit more sympathetic towards the child and understands the issues going on. Good cut, back up. The next teacher absolutely <laughs> batters them in front of their parents, gives them both I've had barrels. Many, many yeah. a time. Many a right, time. come on, let's come up with a grade for Manchester United. You went C. I've gone D. E minus. E might. Well, it's going to have to be D. Is that even a grade? Can you even get an E minus? D, D's in D's in the low. middle, isn't it? It's very low. It's going to have to be D then. And that wraps us up for our parents' evening for the top eight of the Premier League. On tomorrow's show, we'll do the rest of the top flights, starting from the bottom with Sheffield United and Burnley et al, who are in the relegation zone. Let's go through those teams that we've just graded in order. Top of the class, Tottenham Hotspur and Aston Villa with A's. Manchester City then come in with a B plus along with Brighton. Newcastle and Liverpool, both with B's. Arsenal with a B minus. Manchester United with a D. The class clowns, Joel. 
not even just clowns they are the circus <laughs> <laughs> right that's it for today's Football Social Daily we'll be back tomorrow with more analysis of how the Premier League season has gone so far for the remaining 12 teams in the division so hit subscribe and that way you won't miss it and we'll speak to you then Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network